In a world where heresy blankets the airwaves, religious stuffed shirts suck the life out of Sunday morning, and prosperity teachers rob grandmothers of their pensions, three unassuming ministers endeavor to shine the light of biblical theology and put the fun back in fundamentalism. Broadcasting live from the Hall of Dogma... Welcome in to episode two, sort of, of the Gospel Friends. We're going to keep that up, aren't we? I'm David. Awesome. I'm Chase. I'm Nick. Well, look, it's actually like episode three or four or something. It's actually episode... I don't even want to get into it. Okay. Hey, we are glad you tuned in today, despite the odd episode numbering, which I addressed a little bit last week. Um, if you are tuning in for the first time, the second time, or the fourth time, depending on how this goes, um, we would love to hear from you and see what you think about... Um, either my bad numbering or the things we talk about on the show, you can find us on all your favorite social media sites. And Nick's about to list them, and there's about 47 ways to get in touch with us, so don't don't fall asleep. This is yeah. important. Pick your favorite. Really, you two are going to get on to me about being, but just <laughs> being pick, wordy about something. Pick one. Pick one. We got Twitter. Um, we are at My Gospel Friends on the Twitter because we couldn't fit the, um, we were one character. I follow the show. Do you the, really? The yep. Twitter. It's going to be like that. Okay. Um, we'll talk about that later, Chase. You can also look for us. We have a group on Facebook. Um, since we're broadcasting live from the Hall of Dogma, um, you can join us here in the hall and discuss some things. We have, I think, a whopping four members this week. Um, and so we'd love to have you there. If you're on Facebook, just um, request entry and we can add you. You can also email us at thegospelfriends at gmail.com. Or if you'd like to leave us a voicemail, you can call in at 205 575 nine seven three five and leave us a voicemail so i'd like to kind of point out that um that nick i think is really running the facebook page which has four members no 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 no, no. Oh, i thought I, you... i'm the gospel com. oh which so, we also so chase have. is running the facebook nope nobody's running the facebook That's well that why would that would be why we, we have only have four guys podcast subscribers but nobody on the uh facebook group good job there. guys all i know is i'm in charge of twitter and we have still for the second week nine followers i would Bam. love to get to double digits I, I, I'll tell you. Hold on, really. Let me let me find my Twitter. Answer. One way that we might could get to double digits if if every member of this show who who actually I didn't want to artificially inflate it, the numbers. Okay, I wanted to be it. legit. I wanted to be real. Subscribe. I looked this week and and Nick is not even following the show on Twitter. I mean, that's how you know your social media strategy is failing. <laughs> we can't even get the guys on the show to follow. Look, I know what you're going to say. I've been following you on Twitter for years. <laughs> well, speaking of Twitter, uh, that that was the uh, method of our first ever listener feedback. Um, did we get feedback? Yeah, we did. Well, nice. We, we should get some kind of uh, uh, sound effect for that, but. Uh, <laughs> At Adhesive Wombat, <laughs> which is a longtime friend of the show that's only actually been on for an old friend of the Faith Today show. Absolutely. Um, good old. And former uh, Geek Out. And, yeah, yeah he, he was actually on Geek Out, but uh, he. Uh, oh, Nick Jenkins followed us. I think we are double up to digits, baby. 10. This is a big, it's a big deal. But, uh, yeah, Pop so. The champagne, boys. So, um, <laughs> good old. Uh, Good old Bean, as we Absolutely. call it. Uh, he uh, he um, sent us some feedback this week. We mentioned two ways to address him, and neither one of them are his real name. <laughs> yeah, it's really we not. We probably weird. just shouldn't throw people's real names out on the air. Fair enough. We'll go with aliases. We're keeping it. We're keeping that uh, under wraps. But uh, 
Bean was complimentary of the show and also particularly Thanks, likes Bean. the um, As the Driscoll Turns segment. <laughs> oh, I, I bet he, he actually. I've got great news for you there today, Bean. <laughs> he actually asked if if we, um, if As the Driscoll Turns would be a uh, ongoing segment on the show. Indeed, oh, it boy. will be. And so apparently today, Bean, you are in luck. Also, guys, I believe we said last week on episode one slash two that uh, we would send the first person who gave us some feedback a box of the honeycomb oh, twisted right. marshmallow cereal that we uh, so I hope you know what you're asking for so me, Bean. how are we going to get that to Bean we'll probably just drop it on his front porch <laughs> or something okay someone needs to uh, run by Bean's house one night and give we'll him do. a box of cereal if you were listening from another state and you had been the first in uh, I think we should still do it. First person out of state. I'm down with that. First person out of state who contacts us and gives us some feedback, uh, we're going to send a box of the honeycomb twisted marshmallows. And that order. totally can happen because so far we have subscribers from Wisconsin, Minnesota, Georgia, Tennessee, uh, Pennsylvania. So please, if we you're know in that sounds a little creepy that Chase can just rattle that off. Hey. But well, look, if you're in those states, please contact us. In fact, please. Billy Johnson listening live now in Wisconsin. <laughs> Shout out. Wow. I think you just made that up. Maybe. Okay. Maybe I hope so. Hey, speaking Maybe my of... my NSA day job is finally paying off. All hey, right. Chase, tell us about your friend. Sean Lombard provided the opening music for the show. You can check him out on his Facebook group, facebook.com slash pages slash Sean dash Lombard. That was Facebook, right? Yes. I, I just know. used it in a uh, Wisconsinite accent so our oh, friends boy. from up north would uh, understand. Good job. Insult the people from That Wisconsin. was no insult. That was a blessing. Big thanks to Sean, though, for the music. Awesome. It's a great album. Kudos. Thank you, Sean. Love Sean. So what's on tap for today, gentlemen? As uh, David's already told you, I have As the Driscoll Turns. Uh, we're also going to play a game, uh, Heresy or Not. That oh. sounds like it's going to be an incredible amount of fun. And Take It or Leave It. David, what do you got? Oh, Nick, you pointed across. Oh. Nick, what do you got? Apparently, I have something. Um, I actually we're gonna we're gonna discuss um, one of my kind of hobbies slash favorite things in music. And so, um, you know, back on the old school social networks when you had to to list what you're about so people would think you were cool. Mine were Great. first two are always tech and music. And so that's a nice tight topic there. Really specific music in a segment something for everybody in a segment we're calling Real Talk X. Real, Real Talk, talk X. X. I don't even know why X we're calling because it. A, because cooler. a 1990s youth pastor named the segment and we needed it to be relevant. Well, I am going to, um, we're going to uh, look at whether or not uh, there is a problem with pulpit plagiarism. Is it on the rise? And it, is it even a problem? We have a little Google Gold to end the show today uh, regarding the ever popular Google Street Maps. Uh, that, and also, you're going to be talking about how you're drunk, apparently. No, but <laughs> we're actually going right? to we're actually going to start it off with a, a segment we called "Are You Guys That's Drunk?" Awesome. I'm not now, drunk. Uh, we want to want to be clear here. We we do uphold the biblical teaching that drunkenness is a sin, um, and we hope with this segment to highlight why, in God's wisdom, He has made drunkenness a sin. Are now, we ever going to talk about whether drinking? Without drunkenness is a sin or I th- not. I think we are now that I'm you brought that it up. Comes up. I'm willing to bet it comes up. I bet it does too. But this week, Stay our, tuned. Are You Drunk uh, segment, uh, and we don't actually know these people are drunk. That's why we're asking the question, were you drunk when you did this? So <laughs> here is the actual uh, uh, headline from AL.com this week here in the Deep South where the Hall of Dogma is located. 
secretly. Uh, the The headline is billboard featuring Hitler quote next to Bible verse covered up Tuesday morning. So, so we've got to have three options. Were, were you drunk? Yes, no, or I hope so because there's no other good excuse. Possibly. <laughs> here, here's the uh, here's the thing, guys. We have a um, a ministry uh, apparently here in the South, um, Lifesavers Ministry. Who had, they put up a billboard in Auburn, Alabama, home of the almost wiggle, two thousand. Thirteen national champions, Almost. and in uh, it keyword. So at the top of the, uh, we've got on the billboard. I wish you could see the pictures, but uh, on the top of the billboard, we've got a picture of. Uh, Should I make that the album art? You well? might. Five children, yes. smiling children, because this is a children's ministry, a children's organization. At the very top of the billboard is a quote that says, "He alone who owns the youth gains the future." Anybody want to guess who that quote belongs to? I think you're. Oh, yes, Hitler. <laughs> it's Hitler, and it's in big letters at the top of the billboard, and then underneath it is a Bible verse that oh. says, train up a child in the way he should go, <laughs> and even when he is yes. old, he will not depart from it. And so we have a a, a, a Hitler quote taken from a 1935 speech on the Nazi youth movement, and um, and then we have a Bible verse. And, and so, the Hitler quote is a lot bigger. Font-wise. That's what I'm saying. It's, it's much bigger. And so it, it prompted this outrage, and uh, the organization said, uh, answered by saying, we are pulling the billboard and certainly never intended to cause confusion. Children are our most valuable resource. We are a children's organization and had honorable intentions and nothing less. So let me ask you guys a question. You're in a board meeting, and uh, in the board meeting... Someone says, uh, someone says in the board meeting, hey, guys, i got an idea for a new billboard. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's, we, we're going to get five smiling children for, because we're a children's organization. And how about that Bible verse that talks about train up a child in the ways you go? Yeah, yeah, that's a good idea. And then someone in the room raises their hand and said, hey, what about that Hitler quote about <laughs> he who owns the, the youth gains the future? Well, here, okay. So Would let, you, no one shot that down? Let's, okay, so let's take a couple steps back, shall we? Let's, I can't believe I'm going to try to do this. I, I am the, the you are, You're contrary. defending them right now. Well, I, okay. I'm trying to see the other side, possibly. <laughs> I, I can't even believe I'm going to try to do this. What do you think they, they just did a quick Google search for kids' quotes, like, and just grabbed... I like that quote because the quote is not inaccurate if you, th- if you think about it. Okay. And it, and it could yeah. very well have been um, inspired by teachings of the Bible of if you establish these things in kids early, um, it's, it's the way they will go throughout life. It, you know, it could have been inspired from that verse. They just pulled it off of the Google and then realized, awesome. It, you, Okay, I'll give you that. Except they printed it on the billboard. It says Adolf Hitler. I can't Hitler justify that. I'm trying letters. It says Adolf Hitler, and it's bigger than the Bible verse. It's on top in larger font. I could only I could only help you out so far. I'm not going to be able to fix the whole thing. All right. Did you read his quote? Uh, which was James Andereg's quote, the founder of the ministry. He said. Uh, we are pulling the billboard, billboard and certainly never intended to cause confusion. Herbert Hoover would have been a far better one to quote when he said, children are a most valuable resource. We are a children's organization and had honorable intentions and nothing less. Yeah, I read that quote about um, 60 to 90 seconds ago. Well, when I said, did you read that quote? Maybe you should have said, I, I sure did. I didn't. I wanted to go ahead and see if... Uh, 
So maybe everyone out there should know. <laughs> Captain guys, Crunchy uh, struggles Captain, with ADD sometimes. Captain Crunchy. If Captain Crunchy sees a bright shining light flashing in the distance, he loses. Did you guys all hear content. about that sign in Auburn that had Hitler on it? By the way, that blew nice. me away. This I really week. wish this had been in Tuscaloosa, Alabama. I bet you do, and you not do. in Auburn, I Alabama. Bet you do. All right. Well, that is our very first ever. Are you guys drunk? I'm going to say. Um, well, I don't know if they I'm were drunk or not, so. but uh, I don't know I don't what else makes sense. drunk covers it. <laughs> hey, do want to thank um, our buddy Kevin for putting this in the Hall of Dogma for us to talk about. Because, I mean, look, I'm... <laughs> Big Kev. I'm not glad somebody did it, but I'm glad we got to talk about it. All right, well... Hey, I have a breaking news uh, before we go to the next topic. A rare shark event in Orange Beach is prompting double red flags to be flown at Gulf Shores, Alabama. You can't swim. Too many sharks. I have a. You're just a bastion of good news. I have a story about Great that, news. by the way. I, I was every on time a, he break. Hold on. Every time he breaks in with something we weren't expecting. <laughs> this this time it's sharks where people f- swim with their children. And then the last time it was a story about a oh, was, a uh, mass killing. Well, that's Thanks. why I missed David's quotes because I was. Did you talk about the maid off of um, dying off of uh, the Brady Bunch? Did you say that one? Because he broke, he broke. That oh was, no, I never forgot. Yeah, about, that was last week. Seriously, man, you you're gonna be co- uh, all right. So uh, we're gonna change that's gonna your be the, favorite websites. Before we get started, Update Chase has feedly. his uh, Debbie Downer segment for today. Yes. Well, let's let me see if I can put us back on at least a. I'll give my shark story later. It, oh no, I'm sorry. Yeah, no, it's fine. No, no, no. Please. Well, I was just last year please. at the beach. I was I on a, a sand. Uh, what do you call that sandbar? Yeah. So you know, I'm out about thirty yards, From maybe shore. forty. Yeah. Yeah. And and no way to get between back. me and the shore. There's a shallow area that would probably go about your waist. Sure. And as I'm standing there on the sandbar, sandbar, look back toward the beach, and there's a hammerhead. Yeah, buddy. Yep. Hammer, How big? Hammerhead. How big? Uh, it looked to be uh, five, six foot. So about three, four, you think? Awesome. <laughs> we're, in the, we're in Alabama, bro. You, you can't take a fish. And, and, and by the way, it was Shark Week on Discovery Channel. And, and no lie, that night we were watching it, and it was a story about one of the most dangerous sharks, the hammerhead. And all so, of a sudden yeah, you were yeah. thanking God. They'll for, bite you. All right. Wow. Speaking of bite, I had a friend get bit by a snake this week. Who? Uh, I can't say his name because, you know, he's a friend and stuff. But it he really got bit by a snake. snake. Not a we were trying snake. to catch them in the uh, river in Gallenberg. All right, um, for this for the check it out this week. Wow, we just dude, we have good news. Check this out. Check this out. And actually, this is something we can both enjoy, David. Um, apparently, uh, if you're if the audience is not familiar with a website called Etsy, it is a place that people, creative folks, can sell different types of things. There's all sorts of things for sale on there, and one of the um, one of the participants there, I'm trying to look for their name, and I apologize that I can't find it, but they have designed, um, looks like an AutoCAD, they have designed replicas of some college football stadiums in Lego. And I don't know about you guys, my son, who's just turned five, is turning five this week, is hooked on Legos. And my son as well. Okay, and it's got me, it's actually got me hooked back on Legos. Okay, I'm still and hooked on Legos. I don't know what y'all are Straight up, love, with my birthday I mean, I money, I'm considering buying some Lego Star Wars microfighters. I was buying the buildable galaxies, um, but they stopped selling them. I guess they didn't sell well enough, but I kind of want the Millennium Falcon microfighters. Anyway, so football stadiums <laughs> in Legos, um, they've got both Jordan Hare and Bryant Denny. War Eagle. Weagle Weagle. And it will cost you... How much? Um, for the low, low price, about a 15 by 15 inch model, so a little bit bigger than a foot, um, 
four hundred. Yeah, buddy. Dollars. Hey, look, they're going to sell a lot of wild cakes in this state. I you mean, know, it, oh, dude, it, no. It, you know how I found out found this article? I got tagged in a comment on the al.com article at Nick. I want this built for my birthday um, uh, from one of Lisa's friends. Um, the thirty by thirty, so double the size. Okay, replica will cost you. Anybody want to guess? Uh, eight hundred dollars. Chase. Uh, double the size. Double the size. Let's go thirty-two hundred dollars. How did you get that math? I don't know. Is it that went right? from four hundred to thirty-two hundred. It's actually. I mean, it's more than David. It's twelve hundred. Okay, twelve hundred dollars for a thirty by thirty replica of a of a football stadium. Wow. That you have to assemble, by the way. I would like to point out that reading this article on Bleacher Report and CBS Sports, the first stadium listed on both sites, Brian, Brian Denny. Denny. Of course, it is. It's now a, Jordan it's a Hare or Jordan Hare is the second Jordan, stadium, but Jordan. The uh, I understand the um, Alabama stadium. Bryant Denny actually comes with a little uh, Mike Shula figurine. Mute him along with a billboard proclaiming the twenty-one wins they had during his tenure. Mute him again. Hey, Brett Thiessen is the guy on Etsy that made it. So, what are you thinking about the uh, the college football season this year, Chase? What do you? I can't talk. What's your college football? <laughs> I can't talk. I'm thinking if You're Auburn mad. wins this game again, I'm going to vomit out my spine. Can you say vomit? Can you say vomit can, in my can, spine? Because that's pretty colorful. I think you should buy the uh, Auburn Stadium, home of the two times soon to be four to six time national champions. What Depending on how many we decide to claim. Depending on your definition of <laughs> Like everybody else has done. There you go. All uh, right. Stadium Brick. I'm sorry about the delay there. Stadium Brick is the um, Etsy um, shop owner that's this market. Hey, throw that in the show notes for us, and then I'll put it out to our uh, 10 followers on Twitter. <laughs> Y'all got to stop saying that. We are big time. We need to multiply <laughs> Look, all it'll of be, our numbers wow. times it'll, a It will be funny in later years to go back and listen to when we only had 10 Sure. Facebook sure. followers. That's true. I mean, uh, Twitter followers. Awesome. All right. So we got a game, I think. And now it's time for Heresy or Not. Game of the week. This is the game where I ask you guys if a given word, which will be difficult to pronounce in most cases, is a heresy or is it not? <laughs> oh, boy. So Nick and I are going head to head again? That's right. So here's uh, the thing. We you, go, you've been in I won the then. first this one. Is, I okay, won the first whatever. one. I whatever. Just want to point out. We won. All right. I'm eventually. Look, eventually, I'm going to win this. Wait a game minute. I get you lost to Chase last week in my professional wrestling trivia game. You are zero for two. Yes, I am. I don't want to the talk about winner it. of this game will be the first one to get uh, three correct. And if it looks like y'all are tanking it, we'll drop that number down to two. <laughs> um, Great. I will go to Nick with the first question. Here's your question: Heresy or not? Infralapsarianism. Infralapsarianism. Not. Not a heresy is correct. Boom. McConnell. Infralapsarian? He has scored on the opening kickoff. The focus of infralapsarianism, superlapsarianism, and sublapsarianism, which is uh, three difficult words to pronounce, is all about the order in which God determined in his sovereignty things to happen. Hey, you you do realize that uh, the, the whole reason, I mean, not only can Chase pronounce that, but his alter ego, Captain Crunchy, oh, look. could pronounce it while chewing. While eating uh, cereal. That's the only reason cereal. we're calling him Chase and not Captain tonight is there's no cereal. there's no cereal. And by the way, this is my least favorite episode of the Gospel Friends so far because we're not eating cereal. I'm crying Aww. on the inside. Uh, infralapsarianism focuses Thanks on for that God allowing the fall and providing salvation. All right, come on. Let's move to the next one. Okay, so to you, up. David. Adoptionism. Is that a heresy or not? Ad- Ooh. Wow. Adoptionism. I'm going to go... 
Not a heresy. Not a heresy is incorrect. Adoptionism is the belief that Jesus was born as a non-divine man, was very much virtuous and good, and at the descent of the Spirit on him at the baptism of John, became adopted. Interesting. I see what you did there, because adoption is throughout Scripture, and you... So I would think it was there, and you I see him. what you did. Good job. Right, so I like juking. It. Keep juking Nick is in up the open field. One to nothing. Roll tide. Roll tide. Oh, I say it's great. <laughs> Here's the question to both of you. You both get to answer this one. Glossolalia. Nick, you're first. Heresy or not? Yes. You think glossolalia is a heresy? I'm going to go to you, Reverend McConnell. Glossolalia. I'm going to say heresy or not? No, it is not. Glossolalia being the Greek word for tongues. Oh, Mr. Jenkins, you are a cessationist. Damn. Mr. McConnell, you are not. <laughs> Nobody gets any points there. Uh, but some believe that the gift of speaking in tongues is no longer functional, and that any time it happens in the church, it is heresy. Others believe, according to 1 Corinthians 14.39, that we should e- e- earnestly desire to prophesy and do not you mean forbid like, like speaking in tongues. Like the word says? That cessationist utterly... Oh, sorry. I hey, suspect we're going to have I a have big s- conversation on that one. We should, so. but right now I want to converse on the fact that why did nobody get points? We gave different answers. One of us should have been right. Well, it's not technically that's a, a great question. Cessationism and continuationism, neither one are technically a heresy. Oh, okay. I'm with you. I'm with you. So nobody okay. gets any points. Or you that, both that get a, points. Wow. So it, the, actual quest, the actual answer was the invisible option C, which that's was right. neither. Yes. Okay. All right. To you, Mr. Jenkins, docetism, heresy or not? Just by the the way it sounds, I'm going to go with yes because it sounds like a duality in nature. Wow, that's two points for you, uh, oh, Mr. Yes. Jenkins. Docetism nice. is a heresy. It taught that Jesus only appeared to have a human body; that he was not really incarnate. Interesting. He only appeared to have a human body. That, that's right. That he ate and drank, and that's yes, that's why it's a heresy. Nailed to a cross and bled, and but he's he's divine, so it looked like he had all those things. But it well, wasn't. here's a big word for you, and a rare word: illusionaryism. Hey, don't, don't get feisty because you're losing. Not just losing, getting your tail whooped. David, heresy or not, patripassionism. Patra passionism. That is a heresy. It is indeed a heresy. It is the theological error that says that the Father himself became incarnate, suffered and died on the cross. Interesting. All right, to you, Nick, it's two to one. You get this, you win the ball game. The question is, ex nihilo, is that a heresy or not? No. Ex nihilo. It is not a heresy. Ah. Sweet baby. It is actually the Latin for creation out of nothing, which is the belief that all Orthodox Christians share that God created everything from nothing. So, let me get this. Congratulations right. I won on the your, game. You win. Yeah. Hey, you look, even a uh, even a blind squirrel finds a nut every now and yeah. then. So, hey, David, questions. I'll go ahead and give you your question that you were going to get. Melchizedekianism <laughs> is that a heresy or not? Mel, it's uh, a real one. Melchizedekianism. I'm going to go with uh, that. Is uh, like. Uh, I'm going to say no. That's not a heresy. But it depends on who you ask, but most people consider the belief that Melchizedek was an incarnation of uh, God identified with the Holy Ghost as something of a heresy. Uh, But that's debatable, so I wasn't really going to give points there or not. Can can I just say I did think a couple of these were made slap up? 
He look, Chase just did this game because he wanted to pronounce a bunch of <laughs> it's a exactly bunch of what it was, really man. big words that we can't pronounce so that he can feel um, smarter than I us. I actually butchered one of them, but I'm not going to say which. Well, but see, no one, yeah, n- neither one no of idea. us, neither one of us would have known that. So. Well, Mr. Nick, that means you have won the game and you Sweet. get to lead off the topics with your broad, broad topic about music, music. So, um, real talk, real talk. Real let's talk. let's get real, real, real life talk right now. <laughs> Well, the thing that, that kind of um, solidified it into to something I want to talk about on the show was um, me and my wife actually got to go out on a date last night, and um, like no kids, real meal without like a high chair next yeah. to us or anything. Some of you are thinking that's what's well, the big deal, but once you get to <laughs> as many kids as we all have, yeah, <laughs> it's a big um, deal to get to go on that. On look, that date. yeah. Indeed. So, and it was it was much needed. My wife's a school teacher, and you know we're out for the summer and. We've had a couple of big life changes the last couple of weeks, and so um, it, it was good. And so the other thing we did is we got to go see Sister Hazel play at a venue here in Birmingham. And um, Sister Hazel used to come here all the time, and they hadn't been in a few years. And it was around my birthday, and it wasn't too far away from Lisa's birthday. So we're like, good concert, date night, let's go do it. And so um, at work this past week, um, kind of sitting in the cube doing, you know, uh, a lot of computer work, data entry, setting things up, you know, troubleshooting. You just kind of got a lot of time and sitting and staring at four gray walls that I'm thankful to have, but still gray walls, you get a little bit kind of, um, the brain can drift. And so I'll a lot of times listen to different music or podcasts and I don't know what it, the last couple of weeks has got me on it, but I got onto a country kick and, um, country. I think it country before country was cool. Um, no, that's not how that song goes anyway, but I, I watched the, um, uh, I don't know what made me do it, but I checked out um, a Brad Paisley video, and it's to that um, song him and Carrie Underwood sing together, which I choose to believe is about a married couple um, that What's her, remind me. It's a duet. Oh, okay. And it's about two people basically saying, you know, I remember when our relationship was like this, and they're kind of both putting it on the other person, and the other person sings back, well, remind me. You know, you miss this part of relationship, remind me. The other person misses this part, remind me. And it's just an impassioned duet. And by the way, Carrie Underwood can flat sing. But that's that's another topic for another day. But um, it just got me on um, – there was a Brad Paisley kind of mix um, on YouTube. And so I just kind of hit play. And it played a couple of Brad Paisley songs, and it kind of drifted in and out. And it was like three songs in that I just got utterly irritated with country music and just the seemingly, um, the only vernacular I come up with is crap that's on country radio right now. And um, I just remember, you know, when I was growing up, these these story songs of country music. And, you know, one of my favorite songs growing up was A Boy Named Sue by Johnny Cash. And you had this song. Great song. Um, Mitch Gatlinburg. Yes, it does. Um, which, funny enough, one of the Brad Paisley songs that kind of locked me in to listen to the set was a song called Toothbrush. And it's just this kind of fun little guitar picking song that all starts with the toothbrush and they mentioned Gatlinburg so apparently Gatlinburg is the country music city and I just didn't realize it even though Nashville you were listening to Johnny Cash growing up you're younger than me and Johnny Cash was I mean when I was growing up country music had had kind of taken that rock turn and my dad really liked the highwaymen so um who all was the highwaymen Cash it was Johnny um, Cash and the highwaymen yeah Willie Nelson Chris Christopherson and was it Waylon Jennings at what part of this segment do we begin talking about Garth Brooks just when else? I mean, <laughs> matters. Well, you'll. So this we're, we're getting there because Chris Christopherson was it Chris? Yeah, um, says Google. There you go. Um, 
but it just it got me re- kind of thinking about the these kind of story songs and then we were at the concert last night and it's and i just realized the the power music can have and how it's it's like anything right it can be something that we can it can be used to encourage us and kind of focus us on a, a good route or it can be something that we can in, let we can indulge in and it can um foster a bad mood so there's a there's an album I, by a band that if I'm ever kind of just frustrated, I'll kind of listen to and because some of the songs will kind of empower me to just vocalize some of that frustration. And sometimes it will help me kind of dovetail out of it. But other times it will, it will cause me to further dovetail into that, that frustration. And I have to be mindful of the things I let listen, but you know, a lot of these songs, um, you know, a lot of this, these story songs that I identify with in country music are, um, songs about, you know, relationships with a significant other and not in the kind of um quick turnaround ones but more you know these songs about um uh waiting on a woman by brad paisley was another one that came across and it was just this kind of reminder about marriage and what it's really about and things like that you know songs are songs are powerful i think it's uh i think it's a good friend of the show and uh um number one for adhesive wombat pastor Mark Driscoll, who says um, that uh, you know songs are sermons with music. I remember being a youth pastor and, like uh, and when being youth pastor and, and and seeing one of my students post something on Facebook, some status that was like, "Life is dark and you know life is dark and things are terrible." And in the morning, <laughs> I won't wake up. And I'm and I'm contacting. I'm like, "What is wrong with you?" And they're like, "Oh, nothing. It was just a song." And I'm like, "Songs have meaning, right? You right. know, these things mean something." And and indeed, I think they do. I mean, you you can get a, a lot of thoughts about life and relationships. I think, especially you know, country music talks a lot about that from music. You, yeah. I mean, it really can um, influence you yeah. and your thoughts. Well, that's and that's what kind of you know locked me into it this week because. Um, you know, we've had some some changes going in our family where um, we've introduced a new person who's living with us for a little while, and um, it just you know there's you know Lisa coming off um, the school year and just just different things that occur um, with kind of transition seasons, and it's it, it reminded me kind of to double down on on my family in the yeah. way that um, you know I honor my wife and, and I and I give time to her, and also the fleeting time I have with my kids, but also how much a little thing can, can matter with them. And like yesterday we went out to clay just for, you know, um, they have this, this fishing radio. Not that clay is anywhere near. No, it could possibly be. Um, but it just, it reminds you of those. It just reminds me to take time out of those little things. And again, it's the power of the music because you can, you can kind of let yourself indulge in the negative. What's the saddest song? Ever recorded when I it comes a, to I have when a story it, about this. Or, or what's the saddest what's song story? ever when it comes to First thinking all, about I, your children growing up? I would up. like to clarify. Think, oh d- no, 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 no. What? I'm what is the what is the, the saddest song ever recorded when it comes to thinking about your children growing up and leaving the house and things like that? Oh, the cats in the cradle. That would be the cats in the cradle. Is, is a gut wrenching song. I, that and uh, that that song and also the uh, butterfly kisses. From a few Butter, years butterfly ago. kisses never really got to me that no, much. Butterfly look, kisses. What? I, okay, look, well, I'm not okay, saying I like I, it, and I'm good. I'm just saying those two songs. Like I don't even like to listen to them. I don't have the perspective on that one, but you know, a lot of guys with their that's something their daughters would do. My my daughter never did that, but the other song uh, Wayne Aldridge wrote it. Y'all but, are heartless. 
She she gives him little kisses and then grows up and and he's she's giving him kisses at their her wedding. You don't ever. That makes uh, you sad. know what? Maybe I haven't heard that song in years. Because what's the other one? All right, go home and listen to it tonight. Okay, well, while you're, looking you're, at a picture of your kids, I, I don't have much to contribute to a country music uh, segment except this. So uh, my daughter, my eldest daughter, is going through a, a big music phase and country music in particular. And so I, I thought, well, I'm gonna play her some of the classics. And, and this week, uh, driving home from Gatlinburg, I said, okay, I got a good one for you. And uh, I dialed up. Uh, the Little Girl by John Michael Montgomery. Oh, <laughs> oh yes. <laughs> and, and let me tell you, just about a minute and a half into that song, I was hit by such a wave of emotion. I just sat there in the van chair and shook, biting my lips Did and biting cry? my tongue. I, I, I mean, I'm, the whole family's in the in the car, and, and you know, you can cry at certain things, but I don't know that you should cry at a country song. Here's the problem: I wasn't just getting teared up; I was about to start loudly crying. So I did what right. any man in that situation would do: oh. I laughed. Of course, which made my wife look at me and oh, say, "That's not a funny song." And of course, my daughter did stick up for me and said, "Mom, he's laughing because it's making him not cry." It's, he's, look, if you've never, even if you don't like country music, go listen to YouTube and do that song. Me and uh, a good friend of all of ours, Mister at Sam, uh, we Sam and I have had a little uh, son. If oh, if you want to go down that Sam road, Sam and I have had a little battle the last few years where we basically um, send each other. Old country songs trying to outdo the other one in terms of tearjerkers and uh, trying to make each other um, either be depressed or cry. I, and, I played him a song on the way home from work the other day, and he was like, all right, you're going to have to turn that off. It was awesome. Yeah, Sam and I can uh, can get it, but uh, we still haven't talked about... Sorry, I was looking at a video. <laughs> that was the song. Now was, I'm emotional. Hold it. Well, okay, so I was trying to find this this one song that I was thinking about that, that trumps Butterfly Kisses for me. And so I'm going to read off a couple of these that I got to. Um, what about quick. that one where the guy's dog died and his wife left him? And oh, wait. That's like 50% of the Do you know the song songs. Drive by Alan Jackson? Um, when Daddy Let Her Drive? Oh, yeah. Da- yeah. The whole Jeep thing. And, yeah. yeah. What about He Didn't Have to Be by Brad Paisley? I've not heard I hope one. I'm at least half the man he didn't have <laughs> oh, to be. Oh, yeah. It's about the uh, his... What about stepdad? stepdad. What about Whiskey Lullaby by Paisley and Allison Krauss? Now, if you want to talk about a sad song, that's a sad song. Watch that video, son. You will be bawling your eyes out. That's a that's Um, a kind of a haunting. She can sing, by the way. Oh, she can. She can. She can sing like no one's business. Hey, uh, that's kind of a haunting song. That's the one that talks about he put the bottle to his head and pulled the trigger. Yes, the the video seems to have a different. When that song came out, there's a lot of pushback on it. It was an over overt. Suicide song. The the video seems to portray it that they they lost themselves in alcoholism, which I'm not trying to say. I, I think that's probably what it was. Um, what about uh, Friends in Low Places by Garth Brooks? How about uh, She Thinks We're Just Fishing? <laughs> fishing. Why, why, why don't you completely ignore me? Because this is my segment. Oh. Have y'all heard How About Them Cowgirls by George Strait? No. Okay, that's not really a daddy. Does that one? Is that one make you sad? No, it was just it was on this page. Um, so the song, I, just to kind of wrap this up, um, I loved her first by Heartland. Oh. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. That one that one gets me. Yes. Look, because he goes through the song, and then he hands her off to the yes. guy. Look, the that's mar- what I'm telling oh. you about Butterfly, because any song that talks about, hey, this was my little girl, and now she's grown up, and I'm giving her to this 
punk that's come. I mean, <laughs> husband that's come to you know. I mean, I don't even want to. My kids don't even want to think about. No, that. I don't want to think about that. I mean, that's hey, I've got a that makes me want to go old. listen so to some know, Guns and Roses. Just yeah. This is a quick aside. You know, one of our our friends, uh, his uncle wrote that song, and Heartland performed it. Oh no, I didn't know that. Yeah, uh, Ben. Oh, yeah. Well, he should take us out to lunch if he gets any of the Family Fortune. That's I don't a think sad works song. quite like that. Which one? That's a. The, I loved her. First. I loved her first. Oh, it, well, I mean, look at it, it's a sad song from a father's perspective. It doesn't have to be a sad song, but again, um, again, kind of end around, but. It's songs like that that that's those kind of story songs that just grab you and pull you in um, and kind of make you think about different things. That's that's what I love about some of those songs and just where it can and lead you. And I think um, as a, as a Christian, we have to be mindful of the ones we listen to, um, Garth or not. I you know every once in a while I'll go through the live album and I can only listen to it once or twice because you know he needs to get saved. But um, <laughs> I just made David insanely sad. David, give us two minutes on Garth Brooks. Go ahead. Oh, I don't. I, I mean, look, I, I was a huge Garth Brooks fan. Still, I'm a huge Garth Brooks fan. I think the biggest one ever. If he's listening to this podcast, I would love you know just to spend the afternoon Dude, if he, out with him. If he tours again after after his kids are, oh, he is oh, touring again. He's already, he already started. It. Oh well, it's uh, I think it's. Uh, Either we're supposed to start this year or next year. We're, we're going. Tour. I'm down. Oh, guys, look. Straight up. Go if he comes Atlanta, anywhere near Birmingham, I'm there. Nashville. Have, you ever, have you ever gone to... Well, never You guys aren't going to believe this, but I went to a church one time where one of the pastors dressed up like Garth Brooks and actually sang Are a Garth serious? Brooks song. Wow. Oh, my gosh. Wow. Where, was, it I mean, was for an adoption <laughs> fundraiser. Was trying to bring I was about an to say, orphan were there home. Any, were there any duets involved? We're trying to bring an orphan home from another country. How'd that work out? Well, we got the orphan home. It was there fun. You go. And the there. song was awesome. <laughs> <laughs> I think there's I think there's some footage of that. We may have to put that on the Hall of Dogma page. All, All right. right, gentlemen, it's time for Take It or Leave It, our uh, as as now regular segment on the show where <laughs> I throw out topics to you guys, giving <laughs> wow. you only the broad category, and you decide as a team whether you want to take it or leave it. The first category, number one, is Gandalf. Will you take it or leave it? All right, look, I, I Nick, what do what do you want? Wasn't he asking the question to you? No, it, it, no like, this you, is to you, both you, of us. You're both. We're in. throwing it out. We got to see. I'm, I'm nervous because this is go a couple of ways. I'll take it. I'll take it. You gonna okay. take Lord of the Rings? Okay, let's go. What? I mean, that's fine. Are you on it? No, no. We're this is a roundtable. Ian McKellen is the actor that plays Gandalf. He is an out-of-the-closet homosexual. When Ian McKellen stays at a hotel, he takes the complimentary Bible and rips out the pages that teach that homosexuality is a sin. Wow. Gentlemen, do you like that, or do you lump it? Wait, do we like or lump his actions there? His actions, yes. I'm going to go with I lump it. Why? Well, all right, look, this is, uh, oh boy. I think it's pretty... You just want me to take out the clipping from your sermon no. this morning? Hang on, let me, let, me, let, me, let me run over here. Yeah, really. Let me run over here real quick and change my rev verbiage con, uh, costume. Preach. Look, we, we don't... Uh, yeah, we, this, this morning, great, great illustration, talking about the, the message from this morning, looking at some of the letters from Revelation. We don't get to edit God. He has authored all of history, and uh, we are we are not his judge. We are not his. We don't get to critique him. He is not our equal, and we don't get to edit what he has written. I mean, here, here's the thing. I mean, the, all right, I can almost get, like, like, 
I'm saying I can almost get. I can if you're telling me, hey, look, I don't believe in the Bible. I don't believe in it. I don't. Um, I don't. Um, I don't get it. So I'm just gonna throw it out. But I mean, is he cutting these out because he doesn't want the people that come after him to read it and and see those passages but in it? Is that is to, that is that his point? That's because, a reasonable conclusion. Because I would it, imagine it's more like your Pierce Morgan quote of "We need to drag the Bible kicking said, and screaming." See, that's my thing. I, it's to me, it's take it or leave it. Like the whole thing. Yeah. I mean, either why why if you consider that part to not be valid, who are you to decide what parts of the book are valid or not? Yeah. I mean, just either take the entire thing. Or reject the entire thing, but this kind of middle of the road that hey, we're going to change it. We're going to we're going to alter the parts that you know, alter the parts that that we find acceptable. Yeah, I don't know. I don't. I don't understand that. Not mindset. a fan. What about you, Nick? I'm going to lump it. I, you know, again, I'm. You know, long and short of it, we have. It seems like there's always an issue that 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 is brought against Christians, and you know, I think throughout the New Testament, we were reminded pretty pretty bluntly that there's going to be persecution for what we believe and and ultimately what we're supposed to be sharing with the world and that's not the most audacious um kind of claim or, or statement and so you know while i can see a person in mr mckellen's um life you know or gandalf uh, <laughs> opting opting to hone in on that you know there's a, there's a lot more um things that could could easily frustrate people, but I, you know, just again, I think, we're going to be it, we're going to be hated for something, and so wasn't it yeah. Thomas Jefferson that did something similar? He did that? something um, similar with the Gospels. He took out most of the supernatural events in the Gospels, not quite all, uh, but he took it out with a razor blade and, and came up with what's become known as the Jefferson Bible. But see, <laughs> at that point, again, you're you're putting yourself. In the driver's seat, you're putting yourself in that position yeah. of God, of like I'm gonna, I get to decide what's valid here and what's not valid here, and 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 you know I'm going to take the parts that I like and I'm gonna look at that and follow that and show that to people and I'm gonna reject the parts I don't like and you are assuming that role of authority, so that's a big that's a big deal. I'm gonna surprise you guys a little bit. There's a part of me that likes this, and I'm gonna tell you why. All right, I like yeah, it because heresy. he's wow honest. Like what Matthew Vines has done, and we're going to eventually talk about his book. Matthew Vines uh, recently wrote a book that's made a big splash that says the Bible doesn't really condemn homosexuality. But the fact of the matter is the Bible is very, very clear on that issue, just as it's very clear on the issue of lust and pornography and adultery and drunkenness and things like that. It's very clear on it. I appreciate the fact that McKellen realizes the Bible is clear on it, and instead of trying to twist the words of the Bible, he's cutting them out. Hmm. Now, both are bad, huh. but I prefer somebody who utterly rejects it I can, okay, I can to somebody who says, oh, no, it doesn't say that. It, it's fine. Uh, and you've got both going on today. I mean, yes. you have people who are just... You've got people who say, look, this book's archaic, ignore it, which I guess is what Gandalf's doing here. Yes. Because <laughs> uh, I can't say his other name. And uh, But then you have the Ian other people who are, who are coming along and trying to find a way to say, I'm well, it doesn't say what we you know we think it said. They're changing 2,000 years of orthodoxy to say, well, it, you know, it really means this. Everybody up to this point has gotten it wrong. We have new revelation, new understanding, and and, and very clearly you can accept the Bible because it's, it's not teaching what everybody for 2,000 years has said that it teaches. All right, here's the next category. This is for you, Bean. 
As the Driscoll turns, <laughs> gentlemen, you want to take it or leave it? Uh, let's we take this one. All right. Let's take it. We've possibly referenced this on a podcast way back in the day, but recently in a sermon, Mark Driscoll has come out and said that Jesus never sinned, but that he did make mistakes. And uh, Oh, yeah, I heard about this. What? He never sinned, but he did make mistakes. In other words, uh, like if, for instance, if he's throwing a uh, fastball or something like that, not every uh, one would be a strike. Let, let me give you his quote. He wait, says, wait, wait, "When Driscoll? Jesus, this is what yes, Driscoll Jesus. says. Wait. When Jesus was a little kid, when Joseph sat him on his bike, uh, is, is Jesus perfect? Did did he need no training wheels on his bike? His first did he century didn't bike. wobble? Did he roll around <laughs> Jerusalem? When he played little league, if he played little league, every time he get up, he got up, it was like, ah, walk him." Do not throw the ball to Jesus because he hits a home run every time. I'm reading a quote here. Every time he hits a home run, do you think he ever hit a signal, single, ever hit a double? Do you think he would have ever swung and missed if the ball was on the outside corner and it was a strike? Maybe one time, hypothetically, possibly, he didn't swing at it. In other words, was Jesus perfect in all he did, or did he make mistakes? Not sin. And he, he says, let me be careful with this. It's not immoral. It's not sinful. It's not ungodly. Mistakes are part of your humanity. You don't need to repeat, repent of being human. And, and I think that, wasn't that the point of the message? Well, I think I think during the message he was trying, I don't remember which sermon this was. And I've not listened to the sermon. I just, I've heard about this. But I think he was trying to make the point to people that, there's a difference between mistakes and sin. I, well, many people I, I may have come out that. and uh, condemned Driscoll hard for besmirching the character of Jesus on this, and I'm wondering if you guys are going to do the same thing. Yeah, I'm going to lump lump this one and want to lump Driscoll on the head because here's the thing: I'm the I'm the man on the the table now that leans more tar- towards Arminianism, and it's a Calvinist who basically says that before the foundation of the world. What needed to happen to fulfill God's plan was was predestined, and in whatever that is is right is considering whether or not Jesus was ever wrong. When in fact he was the one that predestined everything to occur for God's perfect plan. So even if Jesus made what we would see as a mistake, it wasn't a mistake because it was predestined to happen. So it was God's perfect plan. So he's talking out of both sides of his mouth in his own theology. <laughs> Interesting. Uh, so you lump Driscoll on the head for like this Like, I literally one. think you just gave me a headache. He's I, uh, a big guy, and he's got a big <laughs> neck, so... Uh, now, I get where you're coming from. I, yes, you know, he has an 18-inch neck, and his wife has an 18-inch waist, and we all need to know that for the point of his sermon one time. Sorry. I'm sorry. I just she went, really has an 18-inch waist? I don't know. that's he, small. He said that in one of his sermons. How about that? Yeah. I, just went, um, I just went speechless on that. <laughs> I was uh, a little shocked myself. I'm going to like it. I don't know that I... Look, I don't know that I disagree with him. I don't know the con- I don't know. I wish I knew more of the context of what he was giving it in. Here, here's the thing: if Jesus was fully human, which I believe he was, right? Then, okay, let me be. I'm going to go down a road here for a moment that I don't know that I actually want to go down. But let's just, you know, if Jesus was fully human, then he faced all of the human frailties that we have. Not sins, but frailties. So I'm going to assume that Jesus sometimes had indigestion or that Jesus sometimes, you know, belched or that Jesus, you know, Jesus had, you know, stinky feet at moments. I mean, you know, I, I mean, he was fully human. So I would, I would think that there were times where he was walking down the road and he tripped 
Or as a kid, he fell down trying to learn to walk. And, and if that's what Driscoll's saying, I don't have – I mean, I wouldn't disagree with him. I don't know how you necessarily disagree with that statement if he's just trying to say, look, there were times where he was not perfect in all uh, – say even that language, it, it, I realize that trips you up. But he was not perfect in the um, things of humanity in terms of uh, um, walking and, and maybe sometimes he um, – you know, mispronounced a word or stumbled or something like that. I, I don't. I don't know. I mean, I, again, I'd like to know the context of why he's saying it, but but it would be hard for me to say. Oh, no, 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 no. Jesus was in every single thing he did. There was never a. I mean, he dealt with humanity. Yeah, look, I get what he's saying. He did not it just sin. feels like he's talking out of both sides of his mouth. He me. did not sin. I'm very clear on that. I absolutely believe he kept himself unstained from sin. But yes, not maybe not necessarily. Um, yeah, like you know. Never Did he a mistake. always take the shortest point between point A and point B? Did he always eat the most nutritious meal possible? Um, I I actually, I don't have a, I think Driscoll was slightly clumsy with the way he described it. Did Jesus it. drink wine? Uh, oh, wait. Well, I, I think, sorry, I was. That was earlier. fruit juice, Nick. Sure uh, was. Fruit juice was. back then. That's why the Bible called it wine. I tend to agree with Michael Bird. Uh, Michael Bird, <laughs> who juice. is a lecturer in theology in really uh, Melbourne, who said that Driscoll's point is prosaic and uncontroversial. Jesus learned to do things as a child through trial and error, like reading and writing. That's that's obvious if we take the humanity of Jesus seriously. I tend to agree with that. I don't have a problem with the statement. Wish he'd said it in a slightly different way. I actually almost got in a debate with some people on Facebook who were calling Driscoll a, heres- a heretic for saying this, and uh, well, I, I don't. Uh, I don't actually think that's heresy. We don't have time to dive into this deeply, but if you look at um, Hebrews chapter 5, verse 8, it says that although he was a son, talking about Jesus, he learned obedience through what he suffered. Yes. Now, I do not believe that means that at any point he was disobedient and he learned to become obedient, but that literally he was learning how to follow and and how to obey the deep things of God as he went through his suffering. And we could definitely expound on that more. So that, that goes to your point, that there were things that Jesus learned in, in his humanity. Indeed. All right, gentlemen, we have one more take it or leave it. Uh, I'm wondering if you're going to take this one. The category is, I wish we'd all been ready. <laughs> take it I'm, or leave it. Uh, Let's, let's, well, if we, if we say no, it's going to look like we weren't ready. So we'll go with it. Okay. It. And this is where we're going to have to pause the show because I'm going First to show you guys the new Left Behind teaser trailer with <laughs> yes! Nicolas Cage. <laughs> yes. And what I want to hear from you is whether or not you like it or lump it. <laughs> Here we go. Oh, it's going to be too much fun. What about God and walked away? Every time. Every time she mentioned God, talking about his wife. So he's playing Rayford. Yes, Rayford Steele. Ah, oh, you know the books. Oh, yeah. I read all of them. Nice. All, all right, right. So, so we're back, having looked at the segment. Um, or trailer. This is the segment. Oh, I'm we sorry. You're right. Uh, we're back. The trailer to Left Behind, starring Nicholas Cage. <laughs> having looked Left at the Behind trailer. Left Behind rebooted. All right, look. couple things, uh, first of all. Poor old Kirk. I'm going to... I'm going to say just, like, I would love to have been in that, that meeting as well. Like, hey, who do we get for this Left Behind starring role? Oh, Nicolas Cage. You know why? Because the last time he was in a plane, it was <laughs> it was all good. 
Wow. I, I'm going to like it just because wow. I like Nicolas Cage in a plane. Con Air. I like I look. Con Air was one of my favorite movies. That's hilarious. He was such a bad guy on it, like a bad in a good way. Um, it, here, here, I have a question. I have a question about these Rapture movies. Wow. Why is oh my it? Gosh. Why is it that every time you have one of the Rapture movies and they film, they film the scenes where everybody disappears? Okay, number one, they leave their clothes behind, so <laughs> everyone's raptured <laughs> with no clothes on. But secondly. Uh, secondly, all of the clothes they leave behind are neatly folded. Yes, <laughs> like it, they're not in piles. They're like they're they neatly be, yeah. like on the plane. There, they're all neatly folded. Like you had a moment to fold your clothes up and leave them there. Like I mean, I don't, I don't even fold my clothes at home now. Like why would I want to fold my clothes when Jesus calls? Well, your wife has called the elder team, uh, wanting to help you fold your clothes <laughs> a little better. Hey Jesus, he's here. Hey, real quick, let me fold my clothes because <laughs> I don't want to leave a mess behind. And and then I'm I'm on my way. I'd, Does that mean you? If the rapture happens the way they think that you're you're naked, I'm just look. You're naked. I don't know. I'm just that's going to be a little awkward. Hey, talk I'm about j- a country song. <laughs> that's the start. That's what I'm saying. Why are we all being raptured with no clothes on? Or that's the way the rapture happens. You're naked. Or I mean, I mean, we're getting new clothes. I hope so. <laughs> Or oh, you just don't worry man. about clothes anymore. You know, the, Look, you know, the, emperor, when you die, the emperor got new clothes. When you, <laughs> nice. Yeah. When, when you get to heaven and you go meet St. Peter at the, the pearly gates, he, he gives you a robe. He's like, and, boy, boy, put and this wings on. And a heart. Put this on. Put right. this on. Right but like, wow. even, even if you're, I, I'm so, not a pre-trib rapture guy. I'm a post-trib guy. Uh, no offense to all the people out there that disagree with me, but and that wouldn't be the rapture, uh, by the way. No, no matter what, uh, no matter what your views of it are, most people don't think that all things become new immediately at the rapture, right? Do they? It's so, much later. Yeah, you're still going to be naked. I, well, naked. I, I've never. I don't really know. I if, guess though, in the twinkling, is it a eye, bodily rapture? Transformed by. Well, sure. So I mean, here's you're the, leaving your clothes behind. No, I mean, do, do we believe the Bible teaches it's so a bodily rapture? So speaking of taking rapture. your clothes off, one of the stars well, of body, one Whoa. of the stars of this, ironically, is BG. also in the BG. show Big Love, which is about um, polygamy. So that's ironic. That is ironic. Hey, look, I, I um, I'm going to go ahead and. Have you ever seen that? Nope. Jay? Oh, okay. I've never read these books. Have I've you never, not? I've never read one of the books. Oh, I, uh, I, I will, I'm going to say this, just theologically, pull the curtain back for a moment. I grew up being, I, I grew up believing in the pre-trib rapture yep. uh, because that was what I was taught growing up. I mean, at every church I ever went to, uh, oh, that, it was, that was that was the way it was, and it no wasn't really until the last probably screaming. ten years that that has really been a, a bigger question. And I have personally just not dived into that yeah. issue. I grew up guys in churches that were really so focused all the time on the end times that uh, anyway, you know. It, it, not saying that's a bad thing, but I almost think it was an overfocus. And so mm-hmm. I'm not uh, today a, um, I've not really just dived into that, but I, I do question, uh, yeah, I'm probably on the fence there and questioning the, that pre-trib rapture. But in general, I'll like it just because, uh, yes, yeah, Nicholas Cage on a plane. All right. <laughs> nice. Like, I liked it the first time. So Con Air, just with a twist. I think it's going to be a different movie than Con Air with a twist. <laughs> a little bit. Over to you, Nick. I actually, look, I, for all intents and purposes, I like the trailer. Um, you know, it looks like it's going to be at least a well-produced um, take on the books. I'm I'm looking at the cast list trying to, from what I remember, we actually read, I mean, I know that they, they did more left-behind books after um, 
after the the return of Christ, which I'm not sure what they talked about, but um, we actually read the the primary core left behind books because at the time um, they were out, we were at a very pre-trib, you know, rapture heavy. We're in the end times, and we all need to be ready, kind of church. Um, so there's there's a lot of knowledge we got in in that church that I still value and, and I apply whenever we have the conversations about pre, post, mid, you know, different things here, the the, the millennium reign and all that stuff. Um, but th- this does not look like it's going to be um, even a reboot of the Kirk Cameron movie because I'm, I was looking at the IMDb and he doesn't even have Carpathia in it, which is the main antagonist. Which um, oh, spoiler what? spoiler alert! How is, can you have Left Behind without Nikolai Carpathia? Well, that's that's my question. And again, in fairness, the um, is Kirk, that the Antichrist in the, yeah, in the it book? In the Kirk he Cameron, sounds like the Antichrist. See, look, okay. if a guy named Nikolai shows up, I'm just going to tell you, I'm right now, I'm just going to call it. Like I'm not going. Hey, that's him. <laughs> no offense to all our, all our Nikolai Carpathia. I want to go. Oh, that's him. Watch out. That's or the him. guy who has a name that's one letter off from it. Yeah, like Nick. <laughs> well, look. So I won't go there. Well, fellas, I I think uh, I I don't know what to think about this. I also read the books, even as a post trip guy. Uh, and I like the books. I I, I sure. don't agree with the theology, but there's some great. They were a great uh, work of fiction. Focus on Jesus. There, they were very interesting books. I like you, Nick. I didn't read the ones uh, post um, the end. There, I mean, the, the the series kept going on and on and on. I think I read the first nine or ten, uh, but really, really enjoyed the books. Uh, the movie did not grab me the first time around. Did you ever I, watch the sequel? Yeah, did also <laughs> did not. I like Kirk Cameron, but I'm not a big Nick Cage fan. I'm a little. Uh, I'm a little worried really? about this. What? I guess I I'm like just going to reserve judgment. You don't like Nicolas Cage? I'm not, I said I'm not a big fan. I mean, he's okay. National Treasure was a fun family oh, movie, sure. but good times. Um, those were good movies. I think I'm going to give it a slight lump since I have to choose something. All right. And that's it for Take It or Leave Take It. Take It or Leave It. Good this week. We're going to move into, um, got a question for you guys. Here we go. Is pulpit plagiarism on the rise? And some are blaming the internet. I stole Mark Driscoll's pulpit. The internet. The webs. The interwebs. We're blaming it for everything. Now it is pulpit plagiarism. So, uh, What does the, that even mean, David? Well, religionnews.com, we'll, we'll post this out, but uh, on the on the show notes... Are we doing that? Are we posting links on the show notes? I'm saying yes. we are, so we are doing that. I've been that. going back and editing the last couple of Google Docs awesome. to, to get them out there. I'll probably put it on Twitter or something for the Word. massive numbers of followers. Hey, look, all double digits of us. Yes, so uh, the article on religionnews.com talks about um, whether or not uh, pulpit plagiarism is on the rise. The stealing of one reverend or pastor's material and sermons and used by another without giving credit. They list a couple of... Uh, couple of um, well-known pastors who've been accused of this in recent days. One, Mark Driscoll, who yep. we've mentioned several times on the show today, who yep. was accused of pl- last year of plagiarism and material he wrote with Tyndall House Publishers and InterVarsity Press. Um, I think that uh, Driscoll came back and said, mistakes were made that I am grieved by and apologize for. Also, recently, Craig Grishel. Uh, really? Yeah, okay. the uh, LifeChurch.tv guy. Fans of I'm uh, fan of both those guys. He I think he wrote a book called the uh, what is it called? Practical the atheist book. Look that uh-huh. Craig Grishel book up. I think it's the Practical Atheist or something like that. Um, but anyway, uh, Craig Grishel also was um, 
accused by uh, a gentleman. The Christian atheist, believing in God, but living as if he didn't. Okay, thank you, okay, Christian yeah. atheist. Of that book. Uh, but anyway, uh, about that one. Chrishell, Craig Chrishell, was also, um, and interesting in that, in that um, situation, he was accused by a guy of uh, lifting uh, some material that this gentleman um, had used uh, back in 2000 in a, in a magazine called The Door. And then the, the, the same illustration or material was later used by Grishel in a sermon and then a book called Love, Sex, and Happily Ever After. Craig Grishel at that point said that, uh, you know, look, this was stuff that we were using years ago. I thought it was original. Uh, but he did go ahead and in um, later copies of the book gave some credit there. But he, but here's the bigger question. It goes on, the article goes on to talk about just pastors from different places who have gotten in trouble. One Episcopal priest, I believe, in Massachusetts who was um, fired from his job after his church found out that he had been plagiarizing or using plagiarized sermons from sermons.com. Guys, there are sites that you can go out and buy pre-written sermons or pre-written indeed. sermon but, but outlines. That, hold on, that's not plagiarism. Though. That's not plagiarism, but uh, this a guy... a dishonest, perhaps. Okay, I I'll, I'll I, th- I think the idea they're saying plagiarized is because he was taking them and someone else was writing them. He was buying them off sermons.com and then he was taking them and and using them and taking credit for the sermons. So, in a way, that would be plagiarism, although you know, the the sermons.com yeah, guess, people were allowing you to do it, but I I, I have a side topic to this, so okay. I'll, I'll jump in in a second. Bottom line here, yeah. this is the question. Um and I maybe just throw it out like this. Here's the question I would ask. What is you know, what what's your take on um, what is your take on material that you come up with? The material, material. Let's start with this material that you are using from someone else's source. Do you credit every single thing from every single book or every single article? Uh, what's the line there? And and I think a bigger question for me is: Does this really matter in Christendom? Does yes. it really? Does it really matter? You know that uh, that you know. Is it really yours, and and does it does it matter from an I guess an integrity standpoint? Does it matter from a standpoint of the kingdom and all of it's coming from the same quote unquote source? So. I think it's dangerous when you try to pass off uh, material that's not yours as yours. Uh, it, you know, it, it's a hard issue. Um, I, I I'll say this: I I I usually source in a in a verbal sermon most of the material like quotes and stuff uh, but it, it, you know in in a sermon shouldn't be filled up with a bunch of quotes but i'm certain that you could find uh volumes of examples of quotes i've used in sermons and actually didn't orally source them even though the source was in my notes or something like that because at some point you look down at the clock and you say oh, i'm a little pressed for time here i need to speed it up and you don't hmm. want to bore people That's with good. that. It interrupts uh, the flow of the sermon a little does. bit to every every few sentences, or you know, depending on how many quotes you've put in. But but at the same time, you don't want to take a whole paragraph from Tim Keller and say it and pass it off as yours, and people think, oh my goodness, he's such a great communicator. So so to me, it's a hard issue. I don't think you have to source every quote. I think you need to regularly source and and mention where what you're using. Um, I, I'm going to go a little bit. Essentially, I, I agree with with that. I think if you're going to, and by the way, I'm talking audio wise. When you're writing, you have to source every quote. Oh, I have, oh, writing is no question. That's one of the things. Part of Driscoll's con- controversy is um, guys at, at his level of, of uh, 
notoriety, um, have a lot of demands on their time. And so um, one of the, and I'll try to remember to put this, add this, because um, a guy named Matt Redmond, um, I guess, is one of these guys who has contributed to books before and, and kind of been a researcher. Something to that effect. I can't remember um, exactly. Um, He's a Twitter guy, right? You yeah, Twitter I, I, I do. Um, and it was, before. it's because I, I can't remember who retweeted him, but it was back around part of the Driscoll controversy. And he was, um, he was kind of breaking down a little bit of the inside baseball to it in so much as his perspective on it. I don't think he was quoting to know about what happens with Driscoll, but these guys have research assistants. And, you know, that blew me away. What's that? That big pastors have research sure. assistants to go through commentaries and well, stuff okay. for them. That's so amazing. One of the, um, one of the things that I that got me following the Tully and Chavidjan story was a guy who um, got hired to be a research assistant for him, and so. But as many times as these guys preach and um, is means preach, teach um, the books they write. I mean, they just they have to have some help, and so. Um, apparently, one of the things with Driscoll is that he had research assistants, and they just didn't attribute something right. And it, and it wasn't that he was trying to pass it off as himself. He he made a mistake about attribution, and and I'm I'm kind of with you where you know if you get into a sermon and you start you just you start getting in a flow and you, and you forget to to quote it. I think somebody with Driscoll's I don't think anybody should take it lightly, but I think anybody with Driscoll's profile, you have to be a little bit more careful um, about that. The thing with with this honest that gets me is I was I was reading Facebook I, I was skimming Facebook a couple of weeks ago and it, it was this ad um, it was marketing matters or, or something and it's basically this website that does pre-built sermons for you and you go on and you can buy a sermon or a sermon pack or all the materials for a sermon I'm talking powerpoints flyers I mean, everything you could think of that you need to do a sermon, and and there it is. And, you know, I, I have a distinct opinion about that, and I started kind of reading some of the Facebook commentary, and there were some people that were like, thank you so much, this is a breath of fresh air to pastors, and da-da-da-da-da. Uh-huh. And then there's these guys going, you know, how can you even consider this? This is such a, a fallacy of what a pastor is supposed to do. And there was a lot of hatred and vitriol just getting spat back and forth, and I just... I had my own opinion about it, but it made me take two steps back and go, wow, you know, because I can be a pretty <laughs> uh, uh, cut nice. with a knife. <laughs> there you go. Um, I can be pretty vicious with my words if I want to be. And um, it, it just, it, it kind of challenged me to take take a step back and go, you know, what is what is teaching and what is preaching and, and why do we do it and what should it be? And and I guess I'm of the opinion that, you know, if, if you've got to lean it's one thing to um, learn from those who have gone before you and, and people that read theologians to to check themselves, basically. Am, am, I, am I missing this? Or I, I think I get this, but I want, I, want to, I want somebody who's studied it with a different set of eyes. That kind of stuff, I think, I think a pastor is remiss if they don't do that. I think if they think yeah. they don't have to do that, they need to get checked. But I think if a pastor is in a situation where he has to go to marketingmatters.com and buy his second quarter sermon series yeah, because he's too busy. I, That's that worries me too, bro. I, look, I, I, I have an issue with the sites that are selling the sermons and the sermon outlines. I, just, I, will, I will say if you buy a sermon and that's what it's up there for, uh, in practice, in practice, I mean, that's, that's what you did. You paid for it. It's what it's there for. But I don't think pastors should 
do it. I just, you know. I, I get the line. I mean, I get there's a line out there. I, uh, you know, what is the line? I mean, it, look, if I'm if I'm preaching a sermon and I am going to, uh, what you know, I'm going to take someone's stuff word for word. You know, I'm I'm going to quote it. I give them credit, and uh, if I borrow heavily from an idea. I will say, you know, I try to give sure. the credit there on that idea. But, you know, a lot of times you're getting ready for a message, you're, you're reading. Um, you know, I try to do this toward, you know, the end of my study, not always the beginning, but you're reading a lot of study notes sometimes, oh, yeah. commentaries. You're reading, uh, like you said, Spurgeon stuff. You're reading maybe uh, Keller stuff. And you're get, and, and in the midst of all that, yep. uh, you know, I think the Spirit forms ideas. And, oh, I see where this guy went with this. Yeah, yeah I see what he's yeah. teaching in this passage. And, and then you end up forming your own message. Sure. I think it gets cumbersome, and I don't think it's quite needed to, at the beginning of the message, say, okay, let me give you all of my cited work studies before I <laughs> sure. you know, start this message about all the different places that I read and different guys that have come before me and those kinds of things. Um, I, I think there's a line, I think, taking someone's message and preaching it word uh, for word and and then letting it go, you know, and just acting like it's your own or, um, you know, uh, taking someone else's outline and stuff like that. I, I think there's an integrity issue there. But but here here's the here's the place where I say maybe the lines blurry. Uh, in this article, a guy named Richard Lisher, a pro- professor of preaching at Duke Divinity School, he says most people understand that verbal footnoting is cumbersome. Christianity is not as focused on issues of copyright as other sectors in academics. Preachers have always borrowed and quoted and voiced other preachers. It's the nature of preaching. It's like singing a song. You don't just sing it once and never sing it again. It's not so much cheating as it's demonstrating a continuity with people who came before. Hmm. And, and and so here here's my, you know, for me, I don't credit any sermon that I have ever wrote to myself. I mean, in all honesty, I pray, I try to pray um, viciously before I begin any work on a message. And I I really believe and, and hope that the messages that I have are something that the Holy Spirit has you know has given not in the inspired word type of way, but just in a way of the you know yes, the Lord is revealing things to me about how to preach this message and and so you know for me, uh, you know I would not get up and I don't feel like I would get up in arms if someone came and 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 you know took those things and then went and and preached it because it wasn't mine to begin with it was something that the holy i'm, I'm not an author here that that needs to copyright my stuff to me the author is the spirit and I, i've had people come to me before and say hey do you mind if i take this and use it in a study i'm like yeah take it, it you know i wasn't the sure, original absolutely. author anyway so i mean again i do know there is a way this can be done wrong but at the same time i wonder if some people who are writing sermons and material out there are a little bit too clingy and and clenched fist on their stuff saying you better not oh, sure, use sure. this anywhere without mentioning my name. I want the credit. And and at the same time, I'm kind of looking at those guys and going, hey, hey, you know, in this realm and Christianity and Christendom and, and what you're writing, I don't know that you need to be all that worried about you getting the credit. Yeah. Uh, let me ask one kind of follow-up question. One of the things I love about Secret Church when David Platt does them is that in those, in those um, guides, there are <laughs> pages of of articles, books, things like that, that he has um, either resources to help you, and, and theoretically, those. I mean, he's he's a brilliant guy on his own right, but um, he's learned from other people, and, and theoretically, he uses commentaries to to flesh out. He he does a ton of quotes within that. Yep. Do you think um, some of these guys you're talking about, maybe not in your sermons, but in your you, you've got these references yeah. in your notes? Do you think a lot of these guys, a lot of these guys post? Um, 
show notes. Uh, or not show notes. I'm sorry, I'm thinking of our show notes. Show <laughs> notes, <laughs> podcast notes. But they do. They, pro- they post their sermon notes. Do you think it would be um, responsible of them to, to include the, the things they read, blogs, books, whatever, as a, a acknowledgement of, of their sourcing? That's a good question. Before you answer, David, we do have a commercial break. This segment of The Gospel Friends is brought to you by SermonOutlines.com. <laughs> Don't have enough time to prepare? Let us do it for you. Okay, right, is, that really, you, is, that really their, is that really their catchphrase? Well, you know, we have a policy. Uh, we'll take money from anybody that wants to throw it our way. Uh, is, okay, I'm if something to, tells me we never get money from SermonOutlines. Sermon is SermonOutline.com a real no, thing? it's not real. Okay. Hey, look. It, it was a joke. <laughs> it, it will be in I, the next 45 minutes. I do want right. to hear... I do want to hear what Chase is saying, what Chase says on this. I think, you know, I think Platt does a great job in the Secret yeah. Church stuff of citing all the, the yep. citing different books and things at the end. I think a lot of that's books you should go read. But here's the deal. I, I also know, I've listened enough of, of David Platt's stuff at Brook Hills to, to know that he, he'll say often, we want you to take this sure. and reproduce it. We want you sure. to take this and go reteach it. Now, I, I don't know that he means... I doubt he means we want you to go and put all this material and publish a book and make money off right, of it. Right. But we want you to go reteach this. And that's what I'm saying. I I just wonder if again, I know there's an issue of integrity, but I wonder if there's some guys who are just a little bit too concerned about getting the credit for their things. I tend done. to think you're right about that. Uh, that, that that it is a work of God. You are basing this on the scripture. The the people who are putting out stuff should be less sensitive about copyright. Uh, but, but you know, as far as I don't think actually Sermon Outlines is a real business, but if you're a preacher and you don't have time to get in the Word and prepare a message for the people that you're shepherding, then your uh, priorities are way out of whack. Yeah, An elder yep. must be able to pastor and teach. Those are the two main things. Yes. If that's not the two main things we're doing in ministry, uh, prayer, pastoring, uh teaching if those aren't the main things we're about the business of doing then honestly we're we're in the wrong line of work. i'm with you. i agree business. with that i agree with that so yeah word well, all right heavy all right anybody got something to please lighten this up yeah, I have a theology for dummies section that's supposed to be coming up, but it's <laughs> wah, a little. Wah, wah. Uh, it's got a big word in it, so that's not that's kind of not lighthearted. You know how we know it has now. a big word in it? It was your segment, bro. Yeah, hey. like the, the like the entire the entire segment there. Ooh, multiply is free on Amazon today. Yeah. It is. How about I love like Francis Chan is just. Uh, I'll do that. Guy is awesome. Look if, when if, he and when he and Platt teamed up for that. Um, would have been secret church. Yeah, it was just like anyway. Well, look, there's a lot, there was a lot of us that were like you know, Superman, supergroup. That's what it yeah, was. <laughs> yeah, we're trying to make that would not not be religion groupies, but we're like, oh, Chan and Platt, same time, same place. I, Francis look, Chan. I thought the reformed world was going to implode on itself. <laughs> Francis Chan's one of those guys. I started listening to him several years ago. Love his books, and I, you know, the thing to me that has been impressive about him uh, about Chan is that Chan. he was willing to you know kind of walk away i mean his church out in Simi valley and cornerstone doing very well i mean he's he's very well known his books are getting well known and the guy just laid it all down and he said you know i just feel like this is too much about me and i've gotten popular and god's leading us away and and we're going to go somewhere for a while where nobody knows us or knows what we're about and uh part of the impetus of it was he was getting too big that was what it was yeah, I, I don't know. I just think that he. I think there was something about him just kind of being willing to walk away from that, and uh, and, and kind of go into 
oblivion for a little while and do some work somewhere where they didn't know who he was. Um, I think that showed that you know his heart was in his heart was in the right place. The Gospel Coalition used to do this roundtable with three guys, and like one guy would facilitate a discussion between two guys, and it was him, Joshua Harris, and somebody else. I can't remember. And I remember he was talking about um, some of his book sales and. Somebody in their their church was going through a tough situation, so he wrote them a check for like the balance due on their house. Oh, really? Yeah, because they, you know, and it was legit. It was a legit need. It wasn't like, you know, I want to buy a new car and my house notes. I mean, no, it was like these guys, yeah. husband lost job, wife's. I mean, it was a, it was a legit need. And Joshua Harris went, "You make that much money?" And Channel was like, "Well, yeah," and just kept on. And I was like, <laughs> I love that guy. You know, it, there's a there's a pretty good debate out there about um, pastors who write books and, yep. and, and, you know, what should you do with that money? And is it okay to, uh, you know, is it okay to use that money on I your own? I think that's a good use. Or, you know, using that money on your own. Or if you do use it for yourself and your family, how big's too big when it comes to houses and cars? And then yeah. the question of, you know, should you just put it back into ministry? That's a good question. I'm hoping to join that debate very soon. With your book? With, with my <laughs> Books. You're hoping to have to face that with your the uh, big. Uh, well, I know what you should do with your money. You should pay my house off. Okay, wow. Captain. Clinton. Hey, you know what I think y'all should do is is write a book first. Oh wait, that, that's the important part of making money on a book is actually it's writing it. It's interesting, Nick. I think we should write a book too, but uh, <laughs> not everybody thinks we should. We're a little inside baseball there. All right, moving on. Hey, it's time for Theology for Dummies, the segment of the Gospel Friends that insults you in its name. <laughs> And here's the the word. Hey, that's for the a good. Day. That's a great marketing wow. tool. Great right slogan. There. Well, yeah. look, it was, our show today has been all over the place. We've made people cry with sad country music and uh, made them laugh with uh, left behind. Uh, yes, we did previews. And now we're going to educate and make people feel dumb. And I'm just kidding. The word is antinomianism or antinomianism, if you prefer that. Why are we against nomies? Well, <laughs> it's from the Latin nomos, which stands for law. Anti- no law. Antinomianism is a name for uh, several different kinds of views that basically deny that God's law and Scripture should control the Christian. In other words, it's, it's what, the belief that, that it's not necessary to obey God's moral law. That's what Tullian's gotten accused of, right? That is as being indeed. It Pastor is Tully. indeed at the center of that, that of that whole issue. Pastor T. And it's not just Pastor T that, that kind of has a slant of grace that seems to de-emphasize obedience to the law. This is really a, a pretty big debate in Christendom, but we don't have time to go into that. I will read you a verse and uh, give you a little quote from J.I. Packer, and then we're going to close with some Google Gold. Hey, wait, could you say all that again, um, my mind? Wandered off. Wandered out a little bit. Chase is going to talk you listening. Don't, oh don't my gosh, him. did you guys hear about that Hitler sign in Auburn? <laughs> I cannot believe we haven't talked about that Hey, did yet. you have you read this quote? Yes, I did, 90 seconds ago. Okay, speaking of quotes, here's one from Paul. Do not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God. Do not be deceived, neither the sexually immoral, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor men who practice homosexuality, nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. And such were some of you, but you were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. That's 1 Corinthians 6, 9-11, a passage which is often used to speak against antinomianism. And uh, let, let me give you one quote from uh, our old friend J.I. Packer. 
He says, law-keeping is in fact the fulfilling of our human nature and scripture holds out no hope of salvation for any who, whatever their profession of faith, do not seek to turn from sin to righteousness. That's quite a mouthful right there. I'll read it again. Scripture holds out no hope, says J.I. Packer, of salvation for any who, whatever their profession of faith, do not seek to turn from sin to righteousness. So he's saying that they're... I'm really lost, but he, he's saying he's that you must, you must, <laughs> very you must make, he's a nominist. that you need to be making an effort yeah. to turn from sin. He is saying that a Christian will endeavor to obey the commandments of God, and he would certainly agree that we are saved by grace through faith, and that an evidence of that salvation is the following of God's law. Well, not surprisingly enough, since Jab Packer's a good Reformed brother indeed um i would agree with him and that's usually that that's that's typically where i fall is that i i think that look that line and how this all works um is it's not something i think that we can necessarily decide uh, excuse me um uh figure out on our own but i think very clearly you have these you have the teaching in the bible that we've been saved by grace through faith however there is a responsibility to um to obey the commands in the New Testament and, and that and, and what it says. And and the desire to want to obey proves, I think, that you are saved. Yes, and it doesn't save you. The, no, it doesn't the, save you. Moralism is not the gospel. The the moralism says that we are saved by what we do. Yes. Uh, but that's a heresy. That's a damnable heresy. Yes, you're not you're not saved and hey, I don't hey. think that this is a family show. Damnable. That's I don't okay think God's. I don't think God's view of you changes from day to day, depending on if you've been "quote unquote" good that day or "quote unquote" bad that day. But I think there's too many verses that talk about the rebuke of Christ, the mm-hmm. reward of Christ to His people, and that that you know salvation is something that is happening in your life continually, and and you need to be persevering in that. And you, you know, there's a desire to obey. That desire should be there. I've think that's the that's the danger it's not that hey i'm struggling with sin well to some degree the struggle is good because that struggle shows there's something going on in you that hey i don't want to do this because i want to follow christ i know this is wrong so where you know i'm struggling with it well that that shows that God is doing something in your heart. That's Ezekiel passage where he's giving you a new heart, putting a spirit in you to move you to follow his commands. But that absence of it, where you sin without worry, you sin without uh, any concern. Romans 6. What what shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin that grace may abound? By no means. Yes. Uh, Look, and that's... I I think I grew up in what I have become to call hall monitor Christianity, where... You know, there was a, there was a mold that you had to look like to consider yourself a Christian, and some of those things were godly; they were biblical, and other things were man's preference. And you know, I feel like they were going a step farther than Paul in, in this yeah. letter. Um, but I, this this sentence and a half here, two questions and an answer, I, is what I keep coming back to. We don't we don't push it. So, because of God's grace, that's that's just not what we see in Scripture, period. Amen. Yes. Amen to that. Hey, guys, I got a question. I'm going to go with Chase first. Chase, real quick. Okay. You're at your house. No, From I'm a, at the Hall of Dogma. I know, but I'm just in this hypothetical <laughs> oh, scenario. You're okay. at your house. 
and you look down the street and you see the Google Maps car coming. You have 30 <laughs> seconds to decide what to do. What do you do when they get there, Chase? As they drive by, what are you going to be doing? Okay, my first instinct He's putting is up some type of Google not family camera. Friendly, let's see. Okay, uh, you were going to moon them, weren't you? Whoa, whoa, I don't think we used that word. <laughs> you said damnable. We can say moon. Look, every guy, every guy listening to this podcast just thought moon. I would be tempted to moon Shoot them. Shoot the moon. Yeah. I would, I would I, right I'm there. I'm a pastor, and I'm disappointed to say that that was my first thought as well. Sanctification is still a real Where's Sam topic. Wiener? Beyond Sing that, what would you? Any other thoughts? Something epic. You remember, this is going to be seen by billions Look, of people the world over. Billions of to, people to do it. I don't know. Gosh, I'd just maybe try to jump as high as I possibly could to, <laughs> so I could look like I was levitating. And for I would, me, an old white man, that would be about 11 inches. I would find a piece of poster board that said, at my gospel friends, and hold it up for <laughs> nice. the camera. Please follow us. Right. We only have 10 followers. Quit saying that. We're I would hope, a complete success. I would hope to, um, I, w- I just hey, would hope I would be wearing some of my uh, Auburn paraphernalia so nice. I could get the, uh, the I, look. Auburn word. I have there. stopped by your house with you not expecting it. I hope you're wearing paraphernalia. Hey, hey. I was wearing pajama pants when you, sure. very masculine pajama pants when you came by. I think with superheroes on it. Very large, powerful superheroes. Pajama can... pants? <laughs> yeah. So, what prompted this question? David? Well, because oh, the, that's a good question, for a couple Thank of guys you. in Edinburgh, Scotland, they saw the Google car coming, and their thought was, hey, let's fake a murder. <laughs> nice. <laughs> Are you serious? Yeah, a couple exactly of, what I would The think garage of. owner was forced to apologize for staging a hoax murder scene in an wow. Edinburgh street, which was called on Google Street View. Wah, this comes wah, after a disturbing wah. image of a murder captured by the Street View facility of Google Maps went viral for some time. <laughs> now, look, there's a picture out here. And this is, as they, there's a dude laying face down <laughs> on the ground. <laughs> Okay, you've, we've got to put the. He's laying face down on the ground, and there's a guy standing over him with an axe. So what he did, they were committed, dude. Look, they were. He he said, "I recognize the Google car coming into the street from the camera tower on the top, Gile Street, which is where the, his garage is. These couple of garage owners is in a U shape. So we had about a minute before it would pass us. It had to go around a car park to take various shots. So this gave us some time. We just thought we had to do something. The opportunity wasn't coming around very often. So Gary, <laughs> so Gary grabbed a pickaxe handle, and we ran into the street. <laughs> So, his buddy lays face Grabbed down. A pickaxe handle yeah, and ran. We had to do street. something. Here's a pickaxe. Hey, hey, hey! Real quick, let's fake a murder. <laughs> you go lay down. I'll stand over you with an axe. What could possibly go wrong? It's just beautiful. And now, here, here's the thing, guys. The Google image was taken in August of 2012, but it was not until a year later that the pictures were uploaded. And then, I, I, my understanding is, it took many months for anybody to actually oh, discover. Wow. And and when so pe- these guys had forgotten. No, when they, hey look when they when people started discovering it, they started calling the police, and so the the police in Scotland are getting all of these uh, phone calls, <laughs> and and so they start an official investigation. Wow. Into uh, the murder, and so, so they they track it down, and and they ended up talking to these guys who confessed that yeah it was staged, and they said the police's reaction was they laughed and walked away. <laughs> Awesome. That's what awesome. else can you do? So, if the Google car is coming, guys, you got to come up with something better than shooting the moon, Auburn paraphernalia, or actually, the at my gospel friends is a good idea. Do I that. Vote, I vote that. Do but that. you only have ten seconds. 
Well, you I, don't have long. Well, they had a minute. You had a minute. Okay, if you got a minute. Mm-hmm. Okay, look, if you and I were both in the... Like when we were in the yard, we would need to do some kind of professional wrestling. wrestling. Oh, yeah. absolutely! Chair yeah. shot, or chair something. shot. Yeah. You're about table. to power bomb me. Table, table. Yep, Devon. It, it would be great if it was actually in <laughs> front of table. Devon. Get the table. The Hall of Dogma uh, Agape uh, site. That, that we would, would be do some wrestling. AgapePinson.com. Yes. Not the Here's website. We I'm talking about the actual building. Oh, I'm side. sorry. We need to utilize our billboard side sized lawn that faces the road in front of the Hall of Dogma, yeah. and we need to get some kind of verbiage on yes. the lawn. Oh. Hey, have you guys ever seen the Google car? Have you ever had an opportunity to? I think I have seen it one time over near. Um, I, I haven't seen it, but it has been by my house because you can actually wow. go on the and like find my house. Actually, some Good friends times. of ours, I think, didn't they get a picture of them coming, yes, out, of coming out of their driveway yeah. in the van? They did indeed. Yeah. So where we have gospel community. There's actually one driving really? by. That's awesome. Yeah, by Chase's house, and he's picking his nose. So good. Time. So what else is new? <laughs> All right. That so we know what the oh, going to be this week. I'm Chase. All right. I don't boys. pick my nose ever. Good show. We've Great talked about show. shooting the moon, picking our nose, plagiarism, country music, antinomianism. There, I, look, I don't know what other podcast you're listening to, but I guarantee you didn't get this lineup on them this, this week. This is the greatest Christian variety show in existence. <laughs> That's what we're going for. Christian I don't know that we're show. the best, but I guarantee you we're unique. Unique is indeed the correct. You guys check us out at the uh, fa- our Facebook group, facebook.com slash group slash Hall of Dogma. Please follow us on Twitter. Please. Follow us on Twitter. Make Poor David James. happy at uh, twitter.com slash mygospel.com. Uh, what is it? My, my gospel, gospel friends. friends. My yes. gospel. And hey, give us some give us some feedback on the show this Absolutely. week. Uh, Stuff you'd love to hear us rant about. Yeah. Hey, I, I was asleep when you did the contact step. Did you give the voicemail number? No, for, completely forgot. Hey, because that matter. I know it. If, I'll, I'll say it. Two hundred five. Yeah. Five seven five nine seven three five. That number again is two zero five five seven five in his nine seven three five. Hey, please leave a voicemail. Don't make it profane or crank call. But I mean, you know, give us some feedback. We want to hear from you, and we are still looking now. First person from out, out of, of state. state who give gives us some feedback. We're going to give you some prize, uh, some type of a prize. So it's been fun, guys. Thanks for joining us this week. See you next week. Bye.